This is HRS 2. It is May 25th, 2020, and this is the Tech Bite, the show that's going to give you your bit of tech information daily so you can keep up on what's going on in the tech world. And this is the 4Live TV Network. We're going to start off uh, talking about the new gaming consoles that's coming out at the end of the year. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been a gamer for a long time, and I like uh, this time of of year or th- this time when new consoles come out, you get to see how far technology has advanced, especially in graphics. Now, when I look at some of the renders that uh, the PlayStation 5 has put out there, I really see that a lot of people think that uh, the graphics, the, the more we get advanced in technology, the less of a leap there's going to be as far as uh, graphical detail, the, the less we're going to be able to see the difference between the last generation of consoles and this generation of consoles in terms of graphical power. Well, a lot of people think we're at that threshold where with each new iteration of machine, we're not going to get that really big jump in graphical quality. But I, I don't agree because from what I'm seeing from PlayStation, um, the PlayStation really has well, the new PlayStation 5. The graphics that they're going to be coming out with, I mean, it's really super detailed. And I think that's the telltale sign for higher-end graphics. When you can see more and more detail in the forest or in cityscapes or just the way the water reflects or even the movement of water, all of that, to me, gives um, it, it, it helps uh, the sell the illusion of seeing something real in these games. And I think the more we get higher in technology, I think the more detailed and the more realistic those graphics look. So I don't think we're there yet. I think we're uh, we're still at a point where we can see a big jump. Now, PlayStation 5 is planning to focus more on uh, single-player games. They seem to have that thought that single-player games are not dead yet, you know, because a lot of the games coming out are more co-op and and, uh, internet-based to where, you know, you have a lot of players joining in, PUBG, um, Fortnite, those kinds of, uh, of games. But Sony is uh, putting their money on the fact that the single-player experience is not dead. And I got to tell you, um, I agree with them. The single-player experience, I don't believe is dead. I love playing single-player games, getting into a rich story, something that you can figure out. You don't, you don't uh, rely on the help of friends. Or it's not just a team battle where you know your goal is just to to uh, uh, put the other team down as quickly as possible, but a real deep, good story, something that you can you you can um, um, grow with, you know, something you can feel the characters growing as you go throughout the story. One of the games I hope uh, Sony brings back is Infamous, because Infamous has been one of those games that, to me, is really innovative. I like the powers, I like the story, I like the struggle that the char- characters go through. So I hope. Uh, Sony brings that back in uh, PS5. Microsoft, uh, technically, their machine is going to be more powerful. But we all know that uh, a powerful machine doesn't always equate to good games. Those of you that are in the gaming world, you know that it's not just about the power of the machine, but how well you use that technology. A lot of inferior machines over the years have had the better games, you know, as uh, time went on. We see that Sega wasn't as um, graphically powerful as Nintendo. Uh, and, and yet the Sega had a lot of better games, I would say, as far as more popular games than Nintendo did outside of Mario and things like that. Now, 
um, as we go on, we'll have to see how these two play out. They're not planning on having an E3, which would be uh, next month because um, of the whole global situation that we're going through. But a lot of people are doing virtual conferences. So we'll, we'll see what Sony and Microsoft have up their sleeves as the year goes on as far as the release of the console. Now, if you're into um, phones and you're looking forward to the new Note series, then Samsung uh, appears to have something for us in that category. Now, as you know, the Note 10, um, it made a little splash, but, you know, nothing big. It, it wasn't too much of an improvement over the uh, S10 and so forth. But now the Note 20 seems to be uh, what Samsung is going to be focusing on um, in the upcoming months. And they're really going to make a jump. Some of the flaws that they've made with the S20, they're not going to make with the uh, Note 20. Um, from what I understand, Samsung is getting rid of the 100x um, hybrid zoom or space zoom, as they called it, on the on the uh, S20. That's not going to be present on the uh, Note 20. Also, the uh, software uh, that was plaguing the Note 20, I mean, the the S20 as far as the focus. You know, a lot of people complain that the focus on the cameras was just horrendous. You know, it, it took the phone way too long to focus, to, to, to get focused. So when you were shooting video, it just made it um, unusable. You know, the video camera just wasn't, the, the camera quality is good if it could just focus. Um, all reports are saying that Samsung has fixed or will fix that flaw in the Note 20. Um, they're not going to use this uh, uh, space zoom that they really hyped up for the S20 and it turned out not to be as good as they were, were hyping up. But we're going to get a whole new camera set. Um, it said that the Note 20 is going to come in two sizes. You're going to have the Note 20 and then the Note 20 Plus. Now they're saying that the Galaxy Fold 2 is going to be released at the same time. And some people are saying that the Galaxy Fold 2 will be the Note Ultra because the Note 20 Ultra. It's going to be called Galaxy Fold 2, but it's going to to uh, fill that um, Note 20 Ultra space, you know, because it's going to come out at the same time. It's going to have a pen as well, um, a fold pen or a note pen. Um, we don't know if that pen will be interchangeable with the Note series, but um, from all indications, and these are things coming from um, notable leaksers like Ice Universe uh, and people like that. They're saying that um, you're going to have two versions of the Note 20. You have the Note 20 and the Note 20 Plus. And then you're going to have the Galaxy Fold 2, which is going to fill the Note 20 Ultra spot. But it's not going to be called that. It's going to be the Fold. Now, the Fold, new Fold is going to have an um, all-screen um, outside when it folds close and it's going to open up into an 8-inch uh, display on the inside and as I said before it's going to have that pen so it's going to be interesting to see that and for, um, they're also saying that uh, the um, Galaxy Flip the, the that other foldable phone that uh, Samsung came up with is going to be a part of the S20 or the S line the Galaxy S 10 s 20 that line the flip is going to be a part of that so each line is going to have its own foldable uh, um, option and so we're going to see what kind of price uh, we're going to come out with when we have the note 20 note 20 plus and the galaxy fold uh, 2 now they're saying that the galaxy fold 2 may not be as expensive as the original galaxy fold or it may be 
and then the original Galaxy Fold might drop into that $1,500, maybe $1,300 range. So um, that's going to come up in late August. That's when these phones are going to be available, late August to early September. So we're going to be able to get our hands on that. They're going to have 120 hertz refresh rate, and they're going to have super high resolution. The problem with the Samsung uh, S20 is that, an S20 Ultra, is that you have to choose between high refresh rate and um, good graphics on the phone or high resolution. So the Note 20 is said to be able to have, you're going to be able to, you don't have to make that choice anymore. You're going to be able to have 120 hertz refresh rate as well as you're going to be able to have um, a very high resolution screen. So that's going to be good. And then the battery should be at least 500 milliamps. It's going to have to be if they have 120 hertz refresh rate. Now, what they're saying is that it's going to be variable to where like when you're not using the phone, you, the refresh rate is going to drop down to one hertz. And then when you use it, it's going to go back up to 120. You know, uh, we don't know exactly how it's going to be, but they're going to need a big battery if they're going to have high resolution as well as a high refresh rate. So we're going to see how they deal with that um, in the coming months. They're supposed to have an unpacked event. I think that's going to be in August and we're going to be able to pre-order the phones late August, early September. So definitely look out for that. Now, if you're an Apple fan, Apple recently released their uh, new iPhone SE, I think it's called, you know, the iPhone, um, their, it's their budget uh, version phone. Basically, it has a top-of-the-line processor with low-end, um, basically an iPhone 8 body with uh, um, uh, basically iPhone 8 internals. So you have this new chip that's going to be able to handle all the new software and whatnot, but you're going to be looking at pretty big bezels. It's $399. Um, you're going to be able to run all the modern um, apps and so forth because of that new chip that they have inside. But the actual look of the phone is going to look, I mean, it's going to look way old. So if you're someone who just, you must have Apple, and you, you, but you can't afford the price, but at $399, you want to break into that Apple world. Or if you have like maybe grandparents or people that are low tech um, in your family that, you know, they want to have Apple, but at the same time, they're, they're not looking for bleeding edge specs. That may be something, although I believe that in 2020, you know, you don't have to recycle iPhone 8 parts or iPhone 8 chassis for phones today. I think you can still have a price of $399 and come out with a phone that, you know, looks pretty modern. If basically you're not going to change too much of the internal specs except for the, the processor, you know, the camera is going to be okay you know, it's not going to be the best camera. It's not going to be top of the line because at $399 for Apple, you're not going to get top of the line specs. So, um, and they come in a, a bunch of cool colors and stuff like that. But in 2020, to have that kind of, um, uh, to have that kind of phone with such big bezels is going to have a huge forehead and a huge chin. You know, um, I don't know. You know, we have to wait. I mean, it's out there. We have to wait and see how people respond to it. Also in the Apple world, they have come out with some wheels, custom wheels for their desktop uh, computer that they came out with that computer that was, you know, ridiculously expensive, $30,000 and things like that, and really wasn't made for the consumer. You know, it's made for really professionals. You know, if you, you um, 
do a lot of video editing or movie production or something like that. But the regular man, the regular consumer is just not going to be able to afford that. And so I guess they decided to keep on that trend. And they came out with some wheels for that desktop machine that were $700. Now, these wheels look pretty premium. They, they look like good, solid wheels. But $700 for four wheels? You know, I don't know what Apple is thinking. I guess they're saying that, you know, we're premium. So whatever we come up with must be premium. You know, um, I guess that's what they're, they're thinking. And there are some people that may buy it. I guess if you have $700 to blow and you you really, you know, don't have anything else to do with your money and you must have everything Apple, I, I guess. I, I really don't recommend it. I mean, th- there's no point to $700 wheels. I, I don't see, there's no world that I can see where you need to have $700 computer wheels. Maybe your car, if you have a big SUV, big truck, you know, you, you, you may pay, you know, that amount, special tread tires or something like that. But for computer wheels, $700? No. You know, I mean, I, I can get four tires for my car and don't pay $700. So, to have Apple wheels for 700 I think Apple is really just stretching the envelope and just trying to show that they're premium, you know, and that so whatever they come up with is premium, just like that iPhone SE that's going to be uh, $399. It has that top of the line processor, but nothing else. You know, I mean, everything else is basically average, you know, and the the actual screen is below average because the big bezel, the big chin, the big forehead Definitely is not something that um, is in 2020. You you have budget phones that's coming out that has a greater screen to body ratio than what this new Apple phone has. All right. So uh, for now, that's it. And uh, we'll see you in the next uh, edition of the Tech Pipe. This is HRS2 and I'll see you next time. It is Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. I am HRS2, and this is the Tech Byte. Now, earlier this month, Sony uh, came out with their PlayStation 5 debut in terms of they finally revealed officially the PlayStation 5 games, specs, uh, what the machine is going to look like, and things like that. They didn't come out with the, the uh, launch date or the price that they were going to launch at. Many suspect $500 um, is what they're going to have to come up with. They did say that they're coming out with two versions, a digital only and a disc option uh, console. So obviously the the disc uh, version of the PlayStation 5 is going to be a little bit more expensive than the... uh, than the digital only only problem with the digital only is that obviously you have to have a really good internet connection because you're gonna have to download all your games and then there's storage you know a lot of these games are gonna be pretty hefty uh, games they, they you know they're gonna they're gonna be a lot and so a one terabyte hard drive may not cut it you're gonna have to start you know deleting games and stuff like that in order to uh, continue to have the latest and greatest whereas you know with the disc option you may be able to get a little bit more because it's going to be reading directly um, from the disc Um, so you're going to save some space there however uh, a lot of people i've seen online their biggest question is what does sony have to do 
to beat the Xbox um, this time around. Now, the PlayStation 4 outsold uh, the Xbox um, One, uh, at least two to one, you know. So, Sony won the console wars in the last generation of consoles, or this generation. Now, the upcoming generation, which is the PS5, a lot of people are saying that all Sony has to do, well, not all, but they have to come out uh, price competitively and they have to make sure that the PS5 is backwards compatible. Now, I'm going to disagree with those assessments to a degree. Now, we know that um, price definitely plays a part in um, the console sales. You can't come up with a machine for $1,000 when... Uh, a competing machine is 500 or something like that. So we know price is going to play a factor. Now, as far as it being backwards compatible, me personally, I'm not buying a next-gen console to play last-gen games. You know, I mean, if I want to play last-gen games, then I just buy the PS4. So if I'm looking to play PS4 games, I'll just buy the PS4 and it'll probably be cheaper, obviously, than the PS5. So to me... Having backwards compatibility where it's it's nice, it's a nice feature, it's cool. But at the same time, for that to be the determining factor as to whether PlayStation will succeed or not, I, I, I don't see that. Reason is because any true gamer knows, you, you understand that when it comes to a console's ability to win the market, a console's ability to thrive... It comes down to the games. Now, I'm an old school gamer. I'm from the old school. I'm from uh, when the Atari first came out. A lot of the gamers today, you know, the younger people playing games today, they only know things as they are now. But I'm from the generation before where you had exclusives. Like a, a, a system came out when it was Sega versus Nintendo. Uh, Sega came out with exclusive games that were only on Sega, you know, and then when you had the cross-platform games, it was, it came down to who could do that game better, and that's what the console wars were. Now, I understand in today's world, it makes a lot more financial sense for a game company to come out with um, a game that's cross-platform, they make more money. It, it, it's, it's less money for a company, a game company, to be exclusive than it is if they can come out with their game on multiple systems because then you have more people that's going to buy the game. I get that. Email. At the same time, what we have to understand is that if we're going to talk about console wars, if we're going to talk about um, which system is going to win the console wars, to me... It comes down to the games. It comes down to which system is going to have the better games. Even if they're cross-platform games, which system is going to execute those games better, have better features, better graphics, better gameplay. You know, just, just little tweaks that's going to make that game better on the system that I choose to buy. For example, if I choose to buy a PS4, a PS5, then, you know, um, I would like the games on there to offer me something that I couldn't get on Xbox uh, Series X. It doesn't necessarily have to be graphics, but it could be some form of gameplay or, or some unique feature. That is what game uh, company Sony is going to have to do if they want to win these console wars. It's not just um, being backwards compatible and therefore you have an immediate library of hundreds 
of games because you're backwards compatible. Because to me, if I'm going to spend $500 on a new system, I want to play new games. I'm not interested in playing last-gen games with old graphics, old gameplay. I want to see what the new generation can do because that's the reason why I'm shelling out $500. If I want to play those old games, I don't need to shell out $500. I could just shell out $299, get myself a PS4, you know what I'm saying? Or even get it used at GameStop or whatever. And I can play those those games with those level graphics and, and playability. So to me, it's not about backwards compatibility. To me, it's about the games now. How well can you do next-gen games? And then what exclusives were you able to secure? What's the exclusives were you able to secure for your system? You know, having in-house games. That used to be a big thing where you made games yourself. Sony made games. Or back in the day, Nintendo made a lot of games. Or they had a company called Rare that they they had under their umbrella that made exclusive games that you didn't find. Like um, uh, Banjo-Tooie and and, and Donkey Kong, you know, and and Zelda and these type of games that... um, they, they played and they, they made for Nintendo that you wasn't going to get on Sega, you know, and stuff like that. Sega had exclusive like Virtua Fighter, Virtua Racing, Virtua Cop, when, when it was the Saturn and stuff like that. Panzer Dragoon. They had these games, um, Soul Calibur. They had these games that they came out with that you didn't find on the other consoles. And then Sony in their early days had Tekken, you know, games like that, that really um, was for that brand. Now, like I said, I understand today you're going to have more cross-platform games. But if Sony wants to win the console wars in today's world, I don't think it comes down to compatibility, not compatibility. I don't think it comes down to backwards compatibility. I think it comes down to how well they're going to execute the games that are cross-platform and then what exclusive games do they have i see they're they're coming out with uh, ratchet and clank and how well is ratchet and clank going to be how well is that game going to be how how much are they going to improve it so it takes advantage of the playstation 5's hardware and not just in things you can't see like a lot of times um, i'm hearing a lot of things about um, the instant load times of the ssd drive that's going to be included with the the ps5 and that's great and they're saying that you can it can instantly within a second or two load entire worlds and entire maps it's going to be able to load instantly so rather than when you go into one room you know you have this slight delay uh like how you like um it'll be more like how how halo was when halo first came out when you went uh to a certain um area it would just load pretty quickly you know, but this is supposed to be even quicker than that. And so you're going to have a lot of um, maps. So, so, it's, so it's like your game can be continuous. That's good. And, and that's, you know, no more load times like in between games. or I mean, in between scenes or when you have the cut scenes and then it loads for a while to load the next map. And, you know, and it takes some time. That's going to be a thing of the past, which is good. But those are things that you can get used to pretty easy and i think the xbox series x is going to have something similar so what you're able to do with the game itself and the exclusives that you come out with that is what's going to win this uh next console war coming up now also you have um that sony um is not hasn't really uh, told us exactly when the system is coming out most people are assuming it's going to be around november 20th there was a leak um earlier this month uh, on amazon in the uk 
where they saw the PlayStation 5 put up for 500, uh, 499 pounds, 499 pounds, um, which would mean $499. Now, not that pounds and dollars are equal, but in terms of usually if it comes out for $499 uh, in Europe, it's going to come out for $499 here in the U.S., and then they had a launch date of November 20th. So, you know, usually, you know, those type of leaks turn out to be pretty accurate when all is said and done, but we'll have to wait and see. But, um, I mean, I'm looking forward uh, to the PS5. I'm looking forward to what it can do. Um, Some of the games um, I've seen, they have a Spider-Man game um, that's coming out. They have Ratchet and Clank, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. But um, according to one executive that used to uh, work at Sony, he is saying that um, these games are either going to have to go up in price or they're going to have to come down in playtime because the cost to produce a 60 to 80 hour game experience like you would find in a lot of these RPGs or you would find in a lot of the um, first person shooters or or any single player game that has a storyline, you know, you get 60 to 80 hours of gameplay you know, like like with a Drake um, or something like that. It's it's really gonna be impossible to have such large gameplay without um, the cost being astronomical. Now, for me, if you ask me, what do I prefer? Do I prefer a game that's say 15 hours, 20 hours of gameplay, and it's gonna be around sixty dollars, you know, sixty-five dollars, or a sixty to eighty hour gameplay, but it's gonna cost me a hundred and twenty, a hundred and thirty dollars. I would say I'm going to take the shorter experience. Why? Because, um, again, when you're trying to sell uh, games and you're trying to sell consoles, price is a factor. It's not the only factor, but it is a factor. In other words, would I pay $120 for a really good game or would I pay $60 for a bad game? Yeah, then I'll pay $120 for the really good game because at the end of the day, I'm a gamer and I like to play good games. But if you can give me a good game that's shorter, say 20 hours, right? And it's for $60, I would take that because I can get more of those games. Part of the reason why virtual reality wasn't successful is because a lot of their games were just quick party games, five, 10 minutes, you know, and you basically, you you beat the game, you know? And so, you know, it it was a novelty at first, but then people started wanting more. I want a, a, a good gaming experience. You know, the problem is, you know, people still felt a little dizzy and all that type of stuff. So you understand why the virtual reality would have shorter games. However, when it comes to the PlayStation or these next generation of consoles, I would most definitely take a game that is 20 hours long of of gameplay, but good gameplay for $60. I, I would take that because I understand that the cost of games is going up. With the uh, with 4K, with HDR, and all these different technologies that we're adding to games now, you know, uh, uh, the graphics, ray tracing, all of these things are being added to games, and so those things don't come cheap. Those things have to be paid for. So I get it, but I would more prefer, I would think, a uh, a shorter game, a good game. Make sure that the game is good, not short, and the game you really didn't make any sense for you to create. No, I'm talking about a game that's good 
short, but it will cost me $60. I would prefer that than then the only alternative is to have a 60 to 80 hour game but now all games are 120 130 dollars because that's what they have to come out with for the company to make any money so that's what i would think is i would choose the better option i don't know what you guys think what do you think would be the better option would you take a more expensive um game a game that's uh 60 to 80 hours in gameplay but it's 120 dollars or a good game that's about 20 hours long but it's 60 dollars You know, you can respond to that. Um, For now, that's it for this podcast. I am your host, HRS2. This is the Tech Bite, and I will see you or talk to you in the next one. This is Wednesday. June 24th, 2020. I'm your host, HRS2, and this is The Tech Bite. A lot of people have uh, the question of whether they should buy Android or whether they should buy Apple. You see a lot of Apple fanboys out there. They like their Apple uh, products. They, they're die hard. You know, they live and die by Apple. And then you have the opposite where people say, you know, Apple is, is trash. It's too uh, expensive and, and, and too limiting. Well, here's the truth. It, it really depends. Should you go Apple or should you go Android? Really depends on a few things. First of all, if you're someone that doesn't like to do a lot of customization, you're someone that doesn't like to make a lot of decisions. When I say that, I'm not talking about in your life, but when it comes to your tech and your gadgets, you know, you just you want it to work. You want it to be able to do the things that you need it to do. You don't want to worry about uh, what, what wallpaper should I put up, should I have um, a video wallpaper versus just an animated wallpaper versus a picture. You know, you don't want to, to, to have to set everything up then Apple will be definitely something, uh, the, the, the way to go. iOS is the way to go because Apple is very limiting in uh, the customization options uh, in terms of customizing your iPhone, in terms of being able to customize it as much as you can an Android phone. Um, iPhone doesn't really, Apple doesn't really let you customize your phone to the same degree. Now, here's where that can be a positive. If you're someone that just wants your phone to work and you want it to be out of the box, you pop in your SIM card, you know, you set up basic details and things like that, and then you're ready to go, then iOS definitely definitely will be the phone that you want to uh, deal with. Apple will be the phone that you want to deal with. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do that on Android, but Android gives you so many, you know, options that a lot of times it can even be overwhelming, you know, the amount of options that you have. But here's where Apple excels in that um, way if you're, if you're looking for that. Because there is no real competition. No, well, I can't really say any real. There is no competition for Apple. When I say that, I don't mean in terms of phones. I mean, there are a lot of different Android phones. You have Samsung, you have LG, you even have Sony, you have um, um, Huawei, you have all these different companies out there. Even T-Mobile has their own brand now. You, they all have Android phones. But when it comes to Apple, there's only Apple. There's only one phone you can get with Apple, with the iOS uh, software platform. There's only one phone you can get that, and that's Apple. And so because of that, the apps that are on the iPhone are much more polished 
than they are on the Android side. Now you might say, well, why is that? When you look at an app, you take any app, let's say you have an app that you uh, downloaded for uh, like a game, for example, that you downloaded for your Android phone. If you get that identical game and download it for the iPhone, that game will have just little touches and little polishes that you're not going to see on the Android side, you know, j- just especially when it comes to the way the game operates, the, the haptic feedback that it offers, you're going to find those things. It's a much more luxurious um, experience on the iPhone than it is on an Android phone. Why is that? Because you have so many different ranges of Android phones. You have from the very cheap to the very expensive Samsung um, coming up, uh, Note 20 uh, Ultra, Note 20 Plus, the Samsung S20 Ultra. You have those very high-end phones. Even OnePlus is now starting to get up in that that high-end bracket. You have a lot of phones that are high-end in Android, but you also have a lot of mid-range and you also have a lot of low-end Android phones. So app makers that are making apps for Android have to consider all those different phones. So they're going to make an app that basically is going to be able to run on any Android phone that that you have, which means quality is going to suffer. You can't have an, an app made for the Galaxy Note 20 Plus or the Galaxy S20 Ultra. You can't have an app made exclusively for a high-end phone like that. It's not going to work on a low-end budget phone that's only going to cost you $250, $300. So they have to make the app compatible with all levels of um, of Android phones. But when it comes to Apple, they only have one phone to make uh, the app for. And so therefore they can put in the little bells and whistles. Now, yes, Apple does have, you know, different ranges. You know, they're starting to have little budget phones and stuff like that. But usually um, the chip that's in it can handle the higher end um, apps and things like that. Really where you suffer is maybe in camera or, or memory or something like that in terms of why the price is low. Screen size, bezel size, you know, those type of things. But usually the hardware inside can handle um, a lot of the new apps. And, and if it can't, then you just can't use that app for that particular phone. Because after a certain while, Apple does stop supporting older phones. That's just all there is to it. And they move on to the higher end phones um, kind of as a, a way of getting people to upgrade. But usually you have a few years before Apple stops supporting um, uh, any particular uh, of their phones. But the end result is when an app is made for iPhone, it's usually much more polished because um, the app makers don't have to worry about all the different ranges that they do in the Android sector. So you're going to get a much more polished experience. You're going to get, you're just going to see your apps just have certain luxury uh, feels and, and just these little touches that separate it from Android. So if you if you like that, if you're someone who doesn't like to have to customize your phone and like to worry about, well, well, uh, what am I going to do here? Or what am I going to do there? You want a lot less decisions to make then an iPhone is definitely going to be where you want to go. If you're someone that likes to customize, you want to be able to do whatever you want with whatever application you have on your phone. You want to be able to customize your phone to suit you. Then you're more going to want to be on the Android side. Because if you're someone that's into cameras, well, there's there's an Android phone for that. If you're someone that's into uh, storage, you know, there's, there's an Android Email. phone for that. 
if you're someone that's into um you know that's into video uh, uh you know watching um 4k videos and things like that again you can get an android phone for that so whatever type of personality you have you tend to have an android phone that will um that will suit what you're looking for and that's the customization that you're going to get in in android in android if you don't like samsung for whatever reason they did something to you they didn't ship your order or you just don't like samsung phones you have a ton of other companies that make phones out there like i said lg sony makes um android phones you have oneplus that makes um android phones you know you have a lot of other companies that make android phones out there both high end you know and mid range and low end phones that you can like i said even t-mobile has their own brand now so you have a lot of choice in there when it comes to iphone you don't have a lot of choice i mean they came out with the iphone 11 then the iphone 11 pro and the iphone 11 pro max those three phones so you basically have to choose three phones but usually it's more in terms of memory you know and then maybe screen resolution but not much else uh changes between the three you know what i'm saying they usually all have the same chipset and things like that but memory is going to be different may have different screen resolution you know and then um um things like that is what's going to determine which one you go for i and then a bigger screen you know or something like that you know so those are the things that's going to differentiate you when it comes to iOS however um if you're someone that wants customization and you want to be able to do everything that's going to be um in the android world now again with apple apple does everything so well i mean their their airpods you know work well you know um the they pair with your ipad you know and the iphone you can seamlessly go from a call from your iphone to your laptop your computer all this different type of stuff if you have the apple universe the problem and and all of those things work really well apple's products usually work really well they sound good and and apple's ecosystem really satisfy you you really don't need to go anywhere else however if you do decide one day that i wonder what it would be like to try android all of a sudden all the apple products that you have no longer work they're no longer useful in other words you can't use the ipods with an android phone that's made for apple so if you switch your phone suddenly now your ipods are useless you know if you want to pair your apple phone with um um a samsung tablet you can't do that because the iphone pairs with the ipad you know and so suddenly you have a lot of things that start dropping off and you can't they're not compatible with android in that way so if you have a bunch of products that you've built up over the time with apple if you ever decide to leave that's when the trouble is going to begin and there've been entire companies that have been created trying to bridge the gap between android and ios and you know basically been unsuccessful you know because if you are in apple space they really make it to where you stay in apple space if you're in the android space and let's say you have you 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 like the way the samsung earbuds work you can use them on another um android phone You know, you can use them on another Android phone. If you have the Google Pixel, you like the Google Pixel earbuds. Yes, the Google Pixel earbuds pairs well with the Google Pixel 4A and and uh, well, 4A that um 
Google was planning on coming out with um, or is planning on coming out with. And then, you know, with all Google phones, but you can use Google products with any Android phone, basically, because Android is Google. So you can use their products on all the other phones. You're not stuck with, if you like Bose headphones, you can use them with any Android phone that you have. So you have a lot of options. You have a lot of things with Android that you don't get with Apple. So if you're someone deciding, should I go Apple? Should I go Android? The question you have to ask yourself is, do you like customization? What kind of person are you? Are you the type of person that likes to change your phone frequently you, 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 with, with different moods or, well, this year I want to do this or that? Then you're going to want to stick on the Android side. If you're somebody that just wants a phone that works beautifully, you're not really into a lot of customization, you like to take good pictures, you want a good experience when it comes to your phone with not a lot of work, then the iPhone is definitely where you want to go because Apple will definitely give you the best experience with minimal um, choices to make. You're still going to make some choices, but a lot of the choices are made for you. You see, so you're not going to have to worry about that and you're going to get a crisp experience. You're going to have really good uh, um really good uh, um, functionality with the iPhone. It's just that you cannot customize it like you can with Android. So for anyone uh, listening, I hope that helps in your um, decision-making process. Are you an Apple uh, fanboy or are you an Android fanboy? You can uh, um, uh, leave those comments. And this is HRS2. And this is the Tech Byte. And I will see you or talk to you in the next one. Thank you.